0: Welcome to Business Aspirin, pain relief for business. Clint Junell has managed a restoration company in Dallas since 2008 and is one of the top drying experts in his region. Clint is also the co-founder of JobDocs, a software developed to help his team manage their overwhelming volume of projects. On the podcast, Clint brings together business managers and leaders to share with you how they have overcome their business pains and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Clint Junell. Hey everyone, welcome to Business Aspirin. I'm your host, Clint Junell, and today with I have with me Peter Duncanson from Service Master Restore. And Peter, tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend.
1: Uh, good morning, Clint. Thank you. Well, I've been in the cleaning and restoration industry for about 39 years. Started out as a helper on a cleaning crew many, many years ago and bought into the business that I worked for. Built that business up, sold it back to the people I bought it from, and then uh, I've worked uh, a couple of different avenues. My career has been with ServiceMaster uh, in the in the industry. So I've been in a variety of fashions. Been on our corporate staff now for about 29 years, and currently head up uh, training and product development for the brands. So awesome!
0: 29 years is a long haul with one group, right? Uh, was the original company also a service master
1: yeah yes that's, well.
0: that's amazing man yeah that's amazing that's an amazing story and it tells a lot about service master too right is um kind of the culture that you've built and your willingness to, to be there and I think that's great for people to see and hear and and talk about how the longevity of a career is great
1: yeah and candidly you know when I started thirty nine years ago it was a temporary job i was um my actual first job was a telemarketer uh, okay. doing calling on a rotary dial phone using reverse directories. If you even know what those are, where instead of being listed alphabetically, it was listed by the streets, by numbers. We would hang flyers and then call up behind the flyers. I did that for about two days and uh, (laughs) kind of begged them to let me do something different. And I went on the crew and uh, started cleaning carpet and very quickly dove into, you know, reading the manuals and knowing more about it than the people that were there and said, you know, this could be a business. And I bought it from them and turned it into a, a thriving business. I actually tripled the business in about two years. Revenue. Wow. Now, again, 19, you know, this was 1985. And when I bought the business, it was doing $148,000 a year in carpet cleaning. And when I sold it, we were doing 390 dollars that's awesome though, man. You know,
0: And, and we had a, had a conversation with a guy this week too that has started, has been in the business for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about the difference between, in your case now, 39 years ago and okay. today. And clearly, very little of what we do is the same as what you did 39 years ago. Right. I mean, technology has changed our ability to dry structures, uh, the way you go get leads, the way you navigate people. Like when was the last time you picked up a Yellow Pages? Yep. Right. So- it's <laughs> it's yep. one of those things that's very different. So, where are you located, Peter? Like, where do you? So,
1: yeah, so I am based in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, okay. Corporate headquarters for ServiceMaster was here for many years. Uh, they're now located in Atlanta, but our training facility is here in Memphis. Uh, got about a twenty thousand square foot building dedicated to training and product research and development.
0: Okay, talk to me about that that snapshot of timeline behind you in those pictures, <laughs> what the uh, church fire somewhere. And it looks like yeah. I've seen that one.
1: That is, that was a fire that occurred in the nineties in um, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, okay. which I don't even remember the name of the church. Uh, a dear friend of mine here at service master, they were in his office. And when he left, he gave them to me and they've just kind of been my treasured possession moving. Sure. Um, man. that's,
0: that's a cool setup for the industry that we're in, right? Yep. Uh, that's kind of a neat fixture to have back there. It's just kind of that setup and the way it's framed up that way is really great, man. So I, I'm a fan of that for sure. So you got started in the business 39 years ago. You mm-hmm. started cleaning carpets, essentially, cleaning to carpet. kind of navigate your way into uh, growing a business. Mm-hmm. Um, it took you how long before you bought that business out? Four months. Four months. You said, hey, I want to buy this. They were ready to do something different at that point, I guess, at that time in their their life. And so you recognized a need or an opportunity uh, Mm -hmm. inside the business and you wanted to do something for yourself. So let's talk about the mentality of I don't want to be cleaning the carpet any longer. I want to be doing something different because a lot of our guys that are listening to this podcast, that's where they're at. Right, I don't want to be a technician anymore. I don't want to just be here. I want to do something different. Um, some of them want to move up into management. Some of them want to be entrepreneurs, or at least think initially that they want to be entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and want to jump on off into something. Of so, talk about that mindset that you had all all those years ago, right? Sure. Um, and and let's see how we can dive into that.
1: So, you know, I, I, as I look back on it, and you know, as they say, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I I see the mistakes I made and because I knew how to clean carpet and I knew how to do the jobs and I knew how long, you know, for me, it took X amount of time. I expected everybody to do it in that same amount of time. And uh, ServiceMaster has some very great systems as to being able to say, this job should take this long. And uh, I always beat that time. And so what I learned very quickly was, Not everybody worked like I did, and I had to figure out my strengths, my weaknesses, and hire to the weakness and let go of the things that I really like to do. Sometimes we hold on to things and we say, I'm the best at it in the business, but it may not be the best for the business that I'm the one doing it. Um, You know, a great example, I am not the accountant. I will never be the accountant in my business but I understand financial records. I know what my my metrics are. I know how to read KPIs, but I need somebody else doing that on a day-to-day basis. So I very quickly realized that I can sell very well, but it's not a good use of my time to be out selling. My job was better utilized running the business and developing my team. Um, that was one of the big changes I made. You know, the previous owners and you know, no slight to them, but their mindset, they were, they sold it, they produced it, they oversaw it, they were on the jobs, they were in every account. And I said, it's just not, you know, you're paying yourself 50 cents an hour. And I didn't want that. So I had to figure out how to build a business that would still give me a lifestyle that I wanted. I had a a new family, a young family at that time. I'd only been married a few months when I started uh, first child on the way and um I wanted to be able to provide for my family and I'm blessed to say today all of uh, you know my put my kids through school working in this business three of my four kids have worked within a franchise at some point in their life um, and learned a lot from that business and took those business acumen and have taken them on to other parts of their life none of them are in the in the industry today
0: Well, that's a win in itself, right? As you get them trained, you teach them how to do it, move them on out into some other part of the world. And I think that's beautiful. I love it. Man, there's a lot of gold in what you were just talking about right there. And so uh, I want to attack some of that a little bit in that conversation. Often we're having conversations about the fact that as entrepreneurs, we spend way too much time working in the business and not on the business. It's a normal thing. Uh, And the entrepreneurial mindset kind of puts you there. I like the fact that you said, hey, don't get caught up in necessarily doing the things that you may be better at than your team. I grew up, I grew up in an entrepreneurial life, right? My grandfather had a plumbing company. Uh, My dad started an HVAC air quality company when that kind of became a thing in in the early nineties. And so I grew up under the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, But the reality was what I learned in that entrepreneurial mindset was that same kind of mentality where, I want to make sure everything's done right. I want to make sure everything is touched. I want to make sure the customer is taken care of. And as a result, I can't really, I can't force multiply my growth because Mm -hmm. I can't be doing all those things. And yes, I'm paying myself, you know, a minimal amount as a result. And I've learned to step away from that and recognize that I've got to grow the business and empower my team to do the things that they're going to be capable of doing train them the best way I can to do that. And then there's going to be things that are done the way that uh, not necessarily the way that I would want them done, but that's still okay. Right. Yep. Uh, as long as they're still done well. And sometimes we, we pick up the pieces. Yep. Sometimes you correct and and you apologize and you fix whatever took place. But I love the fact that you're saying that because I think it's vital for all of our people that are, are, are listening to understand that's a very real reality. If you want to actually take your business and grow your business, yeah. you've got to be able to do something like that.
1: Yeah, you've got it. You know, you said an important thing there, empowering your people. And I'm, I'm a big believer in I, I hire the right people. I give them a job, train them what they need to know and let them do their job and stay out of their way. You know, obviously, I have expectations. You know, I I want my books closed by the fifteenth of the month. I want these KPI reports on a weekly basis. You know, whatever it is, customer satisfactions, etc. But you measure and set those expectations, then let them do their job and help them develop as they're going. Big believer in developing people. Outside of work, I've been a been with the Boy Scouts for. 30 some years as well and help people develop and that same mentality of how do you take somebody? You can't develop them. You can give them the tools to allow them to develop and give them the opportunities. And when you find somebody, you need to look at them and say, okay, today they're, you know, they're pushing a wand. They have aspirations and they have abilities to do more, but what is it now? Just because they're great at carpet cleaning doesn't mean they're great at being a manager unless I give them the skill set to get them there. And then they may find, you know what? I really don't like being a manager. Just put me back on the truck. Fine. I, I have technicians and I know people in our in our uh, network who've literally been on the crew for 30, 40 years. And they're great at it. Right. Wouldn't have them anywhere else. They
0: right. don't want to
1: manage people. They don't want the right. headache of being a manager. Fine. They're great at their job. But then let's find the right people in the right roles going up.
0: Right. And I think that's valuable too, because a lot of times there are guys that like, I I have plenty of guys that want to stay kind of in their lane, right? This is what Mm -hmm. I want to do. I don't want to be involved in having to do any kind of sales or talking to the customer about this stuff. I want to go do the technician side of things and navigate life that way. And I think those people are all valuable and important to us. There are individuals inside your companies continuously that have that dream and desire to try to go do something extra and some of them aren't equipped for that fully right so you have to be in a position where they recognize that they're going to have to like you can't do all this on your own you're going to have to Mm -hmm. put the team around you to make that work and I think that's important for people to hear so let's talk a little bit about your current role then um, and what you do in in, like you're the senior director of training is that the title that actually exists so That's, what what do you train? What parts yeah. of, like, where's your wheelhouse?
1: Where do you play? What sure. sandbox are you in, in the training side? So from, a, and I often laugh, my title doesn't really describe what I do. Um, sure. It's a title. When you've been here as long as I have, I, I get involved in a lot of other things. But from a training standpoint, I am responsible for the training of every new franchise that comes into our system. So for us on the restoration side, that's about three and a half weeks of intensive training. In-person, hands-on, technical, business, you know, systems, claims processing, you know, all of those steps. I have trainers, I have a lot of people on the staff um, who come in to train, you know, their, what areas they're an expert in. You know, I have somebody who trains in uh, financial, again, I'm not the accountant. But I have somebody that does all of that, et cetera. And like I say, we have this 20,000 square foot building with a, an IICRC approved ASD house. Uh, so we train in there. Uh, we train fire restoration. We train trauma. We train mold, everything, soups to nuts in those three and a half weeks to get them started And then we go through a process beyond that uh, with their individual business and then all their reoccurring and their advanced uh, trainings and certifications, whether it's commercial or large loss projects, those types of things. There's another, I think we added them up, there's about another 14 weeks worth of training that they can participate in, as well as all of what we have on our. learning management system, our online series, which is about you know, before they ever come in, they do 40 hours of training on the LMS before they ever get here to, to walk through the front door.
0: Okay. So, so with Service Master, they would, they would get signed up, onboarded, whatever that process is. They're going to yep. go through 40 hours worth of learning management, video testing questions, whatever is involved in the LMS. Right. Uh, and then they coordinate to come see you. And then they spend three weeks straight with you.
1: Yep, we do a three-day virtual class on fire and odor, uh, and then they're here for three weeks. They can either do two, they can either do all three weeks together, or they can do the third week later. Um, okay. That's kind of a little bit on their their own uh, schedule. But everything they do, they you know they have a time frame based on their contract to come through, and then everything else is selected by them.
0: So if you can, if we can talk about this, like. Mm-hmm. What is the general avatar of the person coming through? Like, where did they come from? What did they, what was their experience? What, like, who? who is the person that's becoming a service master yeah. franchise?
1: There's a lot of different uh, profiles of, of okay. a franchise owner. Okay? okay. You know, some of your listeners who are independents today could easily be a franchise owner. Yeah. Let's make a plug too. We'll make a plug yeah. later. Just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, sometimes people get involved uh, because they're looking, they're looking for training, they're looking for the systems, they don't want to have to build their own systems. So that's sure. why they come to a franchise. We have people that, you know, came out of the insurance industry, we have people that came out of the construction, we have retired military, uh, we have a lot of different profiles of people. Sure, sure candidly what we what we want to look for is somebody who's got a work ethic if they're here to have a work ethic and grow a business we'll talk to them about a franchise and that's that's about as close as i'm doing yeah sure i
0: didn't know if there was some common theme like some common pain some common dream mm-hmm. some common need that <laughs> there's like all of these people that come to us are just looking to change the world or looking to provide for their families or Some, you know, they've they've been discouraged in something else that they've done or whatever. But I get it, you know, as big as you guys are, um, there's going to be a lot of different personalities that have come through the door to kind of make this thing work. So probably not a fair question on my part, but it's it's, interesting.
1: Yeah, it it is a fair question. It's something we talk about quite often is what is the profile? And, you know, in, in my 39 years, it's changed. When I started, it was, you know, quite often You know, husband, wife who were trying to get out of working for somebody else, blue collar, and now they wanted to try and run a business. And they were, you know, small mom and pops, a lot of them. Sure. Not that mindset today. Today, we're, you know, we've got very large businesses and corporate minded type people who want to run large businesses. We have a lot of, you know, again, still have a lot of those entrepreneurs that want to want the help in developing their system and training on how to do sales, how to do marketing because otherwise they're they're reinventing the wheel constantly and you know they're out there you know watching podcasts and uh, yeah. youtube videos on how to do things which there's nothing wrong with that but they're having to spend all the efforts themselves and we put together the system for them and that's why they sure.
0: they find the value in the package right and right. The, and the, exactly. the tribe the community all the the assistance that comes along with that Right. I think that's great. Tell me something, Peter, that w- you wish you knew. Tell me something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started.
1: Oh, well, obviously the you know technology has changed. And, you know, you talk about how we dry, dry buildings. And, you know, I can I can see in my mind going into flooded basements in suburban Chicago where my business was. And, you know, sucking water out of the wool carpet and throwing an air mover in a small Sears Brownie in there and saying, yeah, I'll see you in three days and coming back and going, yep, carpet's dry, must be good and leaving. So, you know, from that standpoint, what I know today about microbial growth and drying, I wish I knew that. From a business standpoint, I wish at that time I had a better handle on um, the interaction and the growth of the insurance market and the insurance play. Insurance was a lot different you know, back then. And, you know, unless you were sliding somebody, something under the table or doing a favor, you probably weren't getting a lot of work. And I never played that game. I I refused to play that game. And I wouldn't go back and say I would do that, but understanding those impacts. and It changed
0: how you made the play, right? For sure. Either way, for sure.
1: If the insurance company understood then what they know now about their own business they would have changed sooner too you know sure today absolutely. you would
0: see that so absolutely yeah those i think are, both of those are valuable like those are both valuable points because i think our industry created an entire industry of mold remediation right because oh, yeah. we weren't drying things well and so then we evolved to the cut and gut to try to do some things a little bit differently and then now we've learned how to more effectively place equipment and dry without as much cut and gut in And we just continue to evolve there. And I think that's great because it's going to still be something different down the line. Right. Right. Um, And at some point, somebody's going to come up with a way to create a microwave inside a house that won't destroy everything and dry a structure in 30 minutes. Right. And you'll be like, how amazing is that? Um, And I, I think it's just going to change the space.
1: Yes, it will. And, and that's, you know, we have to be innovative constantly looking at, more efficient ways of drying. I mean, you can't change physics, right. unfortunately. And and as long as we look at physics and look at the science of drying from a physics standpoint and working within the bounds of physics, I think we're smart. You know, when I started, we, obviously the ISRC had been around, but wasn't the industry or it wasn't the, the um, institute it is today. We didn't subscribe to it until really about 2000, I got involved with the IICRC and said, hey, we need to follow these standards. Let's push these standards. Let's take it to the, we took it to the insurance industry and said, look, you want to measure us against X, Y, and Z. Let's at least measure us against a third party standard. And here's the third party standard. Let's have a target,
0: right? I don't know what, I don't know what I'm trying to attain. If there's no target for me to attain to
1: hold us all to the same standard. And, you know, you know, I was, Part of my career, I I served on the ISCRC board for 12 years. I spent four of those as chairman. I still serve on committees and and help that part of the industry uh, from the S-500, the rewrite, and a couple of other standards committees. But I see how the standards are important, and I want to continue to push those.
0: Sure. Transparently, Mm -hmm. I wish we could get a true standard that would be consistent, Right. And I have several, I mean, I, we obviously we would know a lot of the same people and some of the guys are on same, those same committees they are friends of mine. And I'm, I just look at it and go, okay, right? Like <laughs> we've got to get some consistency and stability across some of those
1: yeah.
0: always so that we, because if the target keeps changing and I know that technology allows us to do some things differently, but it's, it just seems difficult to get, okay, yeah, it was this yeah. and now
1: it's this. Yeah, a lot of the things that change within the standards really aren't related to technology other than changing wording to allow technology. Sure, It's is kind of what we're doing. And sometimes what we're seeing is clarification of wording. You know, it's like any law or any rule that's out there, you know, you don't give your kids a curfew until they start coming home late at night and you start saying, okay, wait, you have a curfew. You need to be in at 10 o'clock. And they break the rule, then there's a consequence. Well, the reason we have to put rules in place is because there was a consequence and somebody bent the rule or interpreted the rule a different way. So we change the wording so that it's clearer, or tries to be clear. And that's kind of where we have the struggle. Sure.
0: My thing is around like the calculations of equipment. Okay. Now that's changed and said, <laughs> okay, well, let's not put that in. Anymore. Well, let's not say this is <laughs> it's like, okay, like, and that's fine. Right. We can navigate some of that and yeah. figure out where it's going to go. Tell me what is the coolest thing you've seen change-wise, whether it's technology or something else, uh, in the last thirty-nine years. Wow, because you've seen uh, a lot, right?
1: Seen a lot, yeah. God, well, let me start with technology. You know, just the an LGR, a low grain refrigerant, was one of the coolest things. I mean, think about how revolutionary that was when that came out, and today it's just commonplace. I would say watching our, the change in dehumidification, you know, units that are smaller, more efficient, et cetera, has been really cool. Air movers, um, you know, I'm I'm blessed to be able to work with a couple of, you know, the top air mover manufacturers and uh, dehumidification manufacturers and helping them in design and testing and being able to look at and go, yeah, that's really great, but it doesn't do this. You know, extraction equipment, you know, shoot, I remember carrying a a portable, we called it an RM9, Rinse Master Mm -hmm. 9. It was a little nine-gallon extraction unit. That's how we did all our work. And now today we use truck mounts and, you know, just the the vacuum power. So you look at the differences there. And then go to uh, technology, our software. Man, we've got, um, I've worked with Exactware Back in the DOS days, I mean, back in the 90s, I was working with Exactware and have watched their evolution over you know 30 some years of a software right. and or logic, and the way they're coming about. Just being able to have data that tells us what's going on in our business is so powerful today. Sure. You know, When I when I started, we had a form that you filled out for every job. You transferred that form to a big column or spreadsheet and did it all by hand. And that's how you calculated everything. You didn't have data, you yeah, know, you exactly. had files of, of sheets of paper and, you know, what's a filing cabinet today? How many offices even right. have? Right. right. So, it, maybe they still have
0: them, but it's just a shelf or something. Right. Right. Well, and yeah. that's, I mean, that's the reason this podcast even exists really is because of the software company that we built because, yep. I was losing too much stuff. Stuff was slipping through the cracks and it couldn't happen. And it was like, okay, how do we help? So we build a software, start selling a software. Then it's like, hey, you should do a podcast because you could get people that are really smart and a whole lot smarter than you to give you information and help the other people. And so it's all just yep. kind of the evolution of, of all. And for that matter, podcasts yeah. didn't oh, exist, definitely. right? You didn't have access to information like you do now.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about training and you know, the first training that I got in the franchise were film strips with a little cassette, you know, it went beep and you'd change the film strip. <laughs> and and the first VHS videos were literally somebody videotaping that film strip. So you still heard the beeps and it just changed on a VHS. <laughs> and now today, you know, I've got a videographer coming in here in another two weeks. We'll knock out nine, nine trainings in about two days. Uh, she'll create... Like I say, nine trainings that'll be anywhere from two to, I think twelve minutes are going to be the longest ones, you know. And in two in two days, we'll have those done and they'll be up on our website. That's so amazing!
0: Like just to think about that—that as even an opportunity. Thirty-nine years ago, you'd be like, "What? No,
1: yeah." Like that's not even a possibility. Yeah,
0: for sure. So, what are some of the businesses biggest pains? Since we're business aspirin, what are some of the biggest pains? in business or in your franchises that you've helped eliminate and how did you navigate it
1: hmm. probably one of the biggest struggles any business has is cash flow if you don't manage cash flow you can you can be doing a million dollars but if you're you know you got nine hundred thousand in receivables you're bankrupt mm-hmm. so looking at how to handle cash flow how to build a business how to you know process obviously our work with insurance we do uh we have insurance programs we do billing through insurance differently and and that for our franchises and are able to manage that which helps them in their cash flow the cash flow and people are your two biggest challenges and so then how do you how do you recruit uh, where do you go to get people? And then how do you train them and how do you keep them? Keeping them is the important thing. And and that's why we we celebrate you know those milestones, whether they've been here a year or whether they've been here 50 years. Uh, like I said, I, we've got a technician we're going to uh, present a 50-year pin to this year. Technician, not an owner, been in a business for 50 years. At the same franchise? At the same franchise. That's amazing. I Two owners. That. But he's transcended the two owners. That's unbelievable. You know, and That says a lot, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think you're
0: right. I think so like cash flow, because what happens to a lot of entrepreneurs is they go out and, and you know how our business works. You can make a lot of money real quick and then mm-hmm. be slow for a while, and have that right. downturn. And too often these guys jump into this entrepreneurial space and they're like, because their, their mentality is the business owner making a ton of money all the time anyway, right? All these guys are just getting rich and I'm just still getting my 20 bucks an hour or whatever it is. So they jump off and they make a, a stroke of money on something up front. And then they forget they have to pay their insurance. And then they go buy this big truck and then they forget they have to pay for their rent on their building. And now they've got this big truck and now they can't afford it. So the cash flow becomes a thing. And then then they make this one stroke and now it takes 90 days before you ever see another dime because that's the way some of these projects work. Uh, they put themselves in a bind. So I love hearing you say, hey, protect your cash flow. Be smart about it. Make smart decisions. Right. Figure out ways to maybe put some of it back a little bit for that rainy day and for the lull. Yep. Um, and then people, man, like it's so important that you build a culture where you can retain your people and you can hold on to them and you can move them forward and grow them and utilize them where they fit. Don't necessarily move everybody that's been there a long time into a management role because 50 years as a technician... He clearly doesn't want to be moving up anymore. He wants to be where he's at. Very content to be doing what he's doing.
1: And And I think that's huge too. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome.
1: Your culture is also important. You know, what's your your business culture? What's your, you know, are you giving back to your community? Are you taking care of your people? How do people see you in your marketplace is huge. I mean, obviously, ServiceMaster, we have a very... Long standing culture where uh, we've been around almost 100 years from our original foundation. And our culture is very solid and has remained over that time. And people know what we stand for. They know the ethics. And that's, you know, you asked earlier kind of people come to us. Well, that's part of the reason people come to us is for that ethics. Sure. That mindset. They, under,
0: they understand your core values, they understand right. where you stand, and they want to be a part of something that helps them do that and build that right and that's great man i love it um so i mean you're you're 40 years in mm-hmm. so what motivates you to continue
1: so in my my place in my career i get i get two two things that really charge me up number one when we're at a convention or a conference and i see a business owner celebrating a milestone of revenue multi you know, a million dollars or being a top award winner and looking back and going, I trained them. I helped them get started. That charges me. And then on the other side, it's people I work with. Um, I, I mentor unofficially or officially, you know, dozens of people in our company and watching them grow and develop. Some of which have, you know, people that I've brought in who, reported to me or reported to somebody who reported to me or, you know we got one one that's now a vp above me I'm, I'm fine with that you know i'm not here for a title i'm here to help and grow help people develop you know and help grow the business and that's the kind of thing that, that really charges me up helping the the next generation come through and i'm you know, 40 some years, you can kind of guess my age, you know, I'm <laughs> getting closer, you know, the gray hairs and the, the, what have you coming through here, but it's, I'm not looking to retire. I'm just looking to de- help people develop into the next group and and make sure the company continues to go, uh, on the foundation that's been.
0: Well, if you continue to be able to do what you love and you love what you're doing then why, why would you need to retire? Right? Like if I can keep doing it now, when it gets to the point where it requires too many energy drinks and too much coffee to maintain (laughs) it, then maybe it's time to like push back a little bit and go, you know, go on a part-time role. Like I'm going to train, but I'm going to be here a little less. Right. Um, Man. I love it. I love the conversation. So I want to be respectful of your time. You've obviously had a lot of success. You've had some great things. Uh, You've had some good things you've gone through. You've spanned a long career in one industry with one company, Uh, And I think that says some great things. What is one nugget of information that we haven't discussed yet that you would say, I need to share this with
1: anybody looking to jump off? Sure. You know, again, being at one company all these years and candidly, you know, I get offers. I get calls in the industry, out of the industry to go somewhere else to be CEO of this or ceo of that, and you know, help me develop this new business, whatever it is. And I don't take those offers for a variety of reasons. And I I talk to people, you know, let's you know, let's be candid. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. The money's good, but you don't you don't chase the shiny object. Look at the ethics, look at core values of who you're gonna work with and for. And if you're the business owner if people are leaving you for 50 cents an hour it's not the money they're leaving for they're leaving because there's something with your values and core core values of the business that are wrong look at look in the mirror and say i'm the problem let's fix it and that that's really what i look at is just enjoy the people you work with enjoy what you do the money will make itself you know if you, if you take care of the pennies the dollars will come on their own kind of thing and it's it's not it's not rocket science you know we get to help people in some of their most dire needs when they've had a fire or flood and you know if you talk about hurricanes you know the east coast has had huge storms this week and people are running up and down the east coast taking care of of things right before christmas i mean Think back a year ago we had polar vortex on christmas day yeah, and we right. over christmas you know yeah. that's what we do that's right um my family just looks at it and says bye dad we'll see you tomorrow they, yeah. they understand but if you don't that, enjoy that correct
0: that but what you just said right there is i think vital for us to point to and i've made this comment a couple of times is this is an industry that's inconvenient yeah i might have to be working christmas morning mm-hmm. and Everybody around you has to have that buy-in, right? They have to understand what that's going to take um, or they're going to have to learn this is what it is and be comfortable with it. And sometimes that really sucks. Uh, But really anybody that's an entrepreneur that's trying to jump off, if you're an HVAC contractor Mm -hmm. and the HVA, the heater goes out on Christmas morning, you may have to go to work to help somebody. That's right. Uh, It's not just restoration. So that's a beautiful comment, Mm -hmm. man, Uh, because- if, if you guys are listening and you're thinking, hey, I want to go do this, this is, <laughs> being an entrepreneur is not necessarily, you know, all spectacular. There are nope. things that are inconvenient and difficult. It has a lot of rewards. It has yep. a lot of great opportunities to it. It provides you a chance to be able to do some things that you might not otherwise have been able to do, but it also comes with some sacrifices and you need to be prepared for those sacrifices to do it. And I think that's important to hear.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, when I ran the business, when I was, running my actual business. I never asked my crews to do something I wasn't willing to do. So that call comes in on Christmas morning, I was with them. I whether I got to the office just to open the door and you know make coffee and bring them donuts to say thanks for coming in or whatever it was. So you know you gotta you gotta take care of your people. And if you're looking to just be the you know the big shot in the back office with your feet on the desk smoking a big cigar, this is not the business for you. You know, that's that's, right. that's a different world. That's right. Uh, you just trade people right, and they'll they'll stick with you. Yeah, for sure.
0: Man, Peter, I love having you on. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, if you ever want to take over a podcast, I'll give you an offer now. It doesn't pay anything at all. <laughs> oh, it wow! Basically, just costs you to do it, but it still yeah. is helpful. So, um, yeah. we'll just make that offer public. If you want to take over a podcast, we'll make it mm-hmm. available to you.
1: All right. uh, but man, really,
0: I appreciate your time. I hope you have a Merry Christmas and everybody else have Happy Holidays uh, out there. And um, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All
1: right. Merry Christmas. Thank you very Thank, much. Appreciate thanks it. for your time. This has
0: been a Business Aspirin, pain relief for business podcast. If you're a business owner trying to overcome your business pains, follow us on Apple Podcasts or visit our website for more information. Job-docs.com.